Our text is Matthew chapter 2. As a matter of fact, that's going to be the whole chapter. <clears throat> I'm not saying we're going to get through the whole chapter today, but it is Matthew chapter 2 is what we're going to be on. And um, I tell you, this world is a mess, isn't it? And I, I tell you, things are getting bad. I mean, it's not just New York City. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's in Ocala. It's anywhere you go anymore. It's just a mess, just lawlessness, everything else. I heard that uh, downtown Ocala, a midget. Somebody pickpocketed a midget. How can you stoop so low? Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, just kind of, they say I always have an attention getter. I think I got it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started here to our message for today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to delve into your word again today, Lord, and just show us more about our Savior. Show us more about living the Christian life. And may there be someone here today that they're without Christ. This will be the day they receive him in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, there have been things that have been said about the wise men. Uh, for example, we three kings of Orient are, well, uh, probably weren't three Probably much more than that, okay? And, uh, but I, I think that probably started because they said, well, <clears throat> gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So three gifts, so there were only three men. That's what the thought is. and Maybe that's uh, a logic, but it's not really a, a completed right uh, logic. So we're going to look at each section of this chapter. And with each section of this chapter, I've got a, one major point in each one. So I've uh, got really four points in this message. We're going to try to uh, take you on through them. Okay, so let's get right on to it because um, uh, it's, it's important. Because it's of utmost importance for the Christian life. And that's what I'm wanting you to see. It's of utmost importance for the Christian life that you see these things. Our first point. Walking with God leads to blessing from God. Those are verses 1 through 6. Now looking at verse 1 as we go there. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, these Persian men, as I said, they're not three men. Uh, I believe, this, this is my personal belief, okay, I believe that uh, when Rome was conquering so many people, the Persians were never conquered. But when they were conquering all these others, I believe that some Jews escaped. I believe it turned their heart to God after the captivity and everything else. They'd been in Babylon and all the things that they went through. And some Jews were able to escape, but also, I believe, drew their heart closer to God. And as they went further east, among the Persian people, they got to so much closer to God that other people began to learn of their faith. And I believe that there were people converted. So these men may have been Jews. I don't know that they were. We're not told that. 
We're told they're kings from the east, uh, wise men from the east. But I believe they got enough. And I believe that somewhere along the line there was a prophecy of a star appearing. Now, we don't see that in the Bible. But sometimes you read things in the Bible and you assume that there is that way as that uh, people from Persian, the Persian kingdoms, the eastern, uh, far east, they're coming in to do this. So, but I kind of believe that that's the way it is. And they were carrying those gifts. They had soldiers with them because they had to protect themselves. They had to be protected all the way. Uh, so as we said, Rome never conquered them. No, they just didn't conquer them. They conquered the world for what they knew of the world, but they didn't really conquer them. And so I believe that's what got us to hear. Now, uh, I believe they preached those Jews that escaped whatever was revealed to them from God. And I believe after everything had happened, they were looking forward to this coming Messiah. The coming Messiah, the one who would save. As we read in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says that he came in the fullness of the time when the world was at its most wicked for that day. That's when he came. It just, the world just grew wicked and more wicked and more wicked. And finally, uh, the time that the Lord had for them to come arrived and they, they came. Now, uh, these watched and watched and watched. They followed that star. They were looking for that every night. They were looking for that star that they could follow it. They were looking for the coming of Messiah. Now just think of that. These people, far away land, were looking for the coming of the Messiah. Uh, actually, as God's people, He's told us to be looking for His second coming. And so, uh, these men had enough faith that they looked for it. They had a one thing. Now, we know that in the last days, lawlessness, perilous times, and the things of that nature that are uh, there, and I believe that we're in a lot of that right now. Yet, these people didn't have that written for them. And so, God in that day revealed things in, in dreams and, and visions of angels, but that's not quite the way it works today. We'll see more about that a little bit later. Verse 3 says, <coughs> When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now here's these men that have come. They want to worship the Lord. They have gifts for him. We'll say more about that as well a little bit later. And it says, and when he had gathered... All the chief, this is, uh, again, this is our, our man Herod there now, gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people. And the idea there is the people that are people of faith. They're the people that are supposed to be uh, the Jewish faith, and they're probably gathered around the temple. They're the ones that are seen around there. But with that, you have the scribes and you have the uh, chief priests that are there. And so he gathers them together and demanded. When a king demanded something in that day, you better react. Demanded of them where uh, Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for that is written by the prophet. And that was, it's in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And 
thou Bethlehem, verse 6, in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah. Now everybody thought, didn't think of Bethlehem as being one of the great leaderships and areas of leadership. But there was something special for God at Bethlehem. And he says, uh, For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now, now you'll notice that the chief priests, the scribes, the intelligentsia, when they studied, they had studied well, they knew where Jesus was going to be born. And yet, it did not, uh, you might say it did not do them any good. It just didn't do them any good because they knew where Jesus would be born. But when wise men come and they're announcing this, when they leave, they don't follow them. I mean, there's something special about this group, and yet they will not follow them. I would think that knowing that and saying, yeah, he's going to be born right there in Bethlehem, I think I'd be following that group. I, I really do. But these people don't. For whatever reason, they don't follow. And so, uh, sometimes we know things, and yet we don't act upon it. For an example, Hebrews 10, 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. And sometimes people say, well, you know, as long as I'm there on Sunday morning, or as long as I'm there on a Wednesday night, or some, one day a week is good, you know, one time a week, one time a month, or whatever. And they're just not faithful. And that's the idea of forsaking. The idea of the word forsaking there is there, not there, there, not there, there, not there. You know, the word forsake itself means to leave altogether. But if it's forsaking, it's there and not there. If you have that I-N-G, then that's the idea. There, not there. And so, uh, he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, but then adds this. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, for a Christian to tell me that he believes, boy, the Lord's got to come soon. Look at this old world. And they're not faithful to God's house. It, it tells me they don't believe too much about the Bible. How can you say you believe that and yet not be faithful and do those things that God has to do? And this, I mean, this is a thing that people will be called into an account for. Hebrews 10, 25, people will be called into an account for. Really, if it's a command in God's Word, and it is, you're going to be called to an account as a Christian. So that's why it's so important that we understand those things and we act upon them. So, when these wise men leave, nobody follows them. But the wise men know the Scriptures. They acted upon them. That's what faith is. Faith is acting upon the Word of God. Faith is acting on the revealed will of God. That is faith. Uh, so knowing that the Word of God is without error, they acted on it. The others, they didn't act on it. That's foolishness. That's foolishness, and that's also a rejection of God's way when people do that. That's just rejecting it altogether. Uh, they were scribes. I mean, these are the most 
well-studied men. The, high, the, the, the priest and the scribes are very well-studied men in the Word. Now, you can be well-studied in the Word and it not affect you because the world is more important to you than the things of God. And that's what happened to these men. And so, uh, they don't get to receive the blessings of God. But the wise men, they will receive the blessing of God. They will see the Messiah. And that leads me to a second major point of this chapter, of this story. And, and that is this. All missions, all missions that God gives us must be completed. Now let me say this about when I say all missions. We are all created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If you're saved, God has a work for you to do. And so it's ours to seek. What is that? And that becomes your purpose for the rest of your life, and you do it, and you fulfill it, and only God makes the changes when He says, okay, uh, you're done here, now I want you to go to this next state and do it here. But He gives you a mission, and you do it, and it must be completed. Quitting is not an option for a godly Christian. It's just not an option in purpose and the skill that God has given you to use to serve Him. Quitting should never be an option. When Herod, uh, we read verse uh, 7, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Well, God will reveal to these wise men not to go back to Jerusalem. You see, his first will was to take this trip, and they completed it. But it wasn't to go back the same way they came, but they didn't know that until God told them in Jerusalem. Now, as I said, Israel will know that that's where Jesus was born, but the religious leaders did not act on the Word of God. That Word that had been given them. And they didn't act, and it cost them something. Bethlehem is only five miles away from Jerusalem. It's only five miles away from Jerusalem. But they simply don't follow them to see where their Messiah is. That tells me they weren't really looking for Messiah. They weren't really looking for Him to come. Our lives reveal, in how we live it, whether we're really expecting Jesus to come at any moment. That's just the way it is. And here we have an illustration of that for the Christians today, here when Christ first came to this earth. And so, those wise men, you know, you are wise when you act upon the Word of God. That is wisdom, to act upon 
the Word of God. Stay daily in the Word of God and allow it to be applied to your life every day. The decisions that you make. Ask God every day for wisdom. Ask God every day to show you the decisions that you should make. You know, let me just be very clear on one thing. Wisdom, that's the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. It also includes understanding, which is discernment, perception, to perceive truth and, and error. And so, ask God to always reveal that to you. And as you re read the Word, you can learn what is truth and what is error. God will never lead you to do anything that is unholy and unrighteous. He will never lead you to do that. The star had disappeared for just a short time, but they press on towards Jerusalem. They pressed on. But those people that should know better in Jerusalem had already rejected it, thinking, oh, look at these guys. They're just not with it. They're just not today. They need to get with it. They, boy, I tell you, that's the problem you have with people that think they know the Lord. And so that's kind of the attitude. But these men didn't let what men thought deter them. You know, a lot of people left good fundamental Bible preaching churches when they quit, when they decided that, well, you know, the world's starting to change now. We've got to kind of adjust to the world. We've got to do this. Uh, and that's why you see a Tennessee temple that was up in Chattanooga with thousands of people, thousands of preachers, and, and people have been sent out throughout the United States and around the world, churches planted. They're no longer there. That's where you see an Akron Baptist temple, a fundamental independent Baptist church, no longer in existence. Because they said, we've got to adjust to the world. God's leading is always holy and righteous. And it's never toning down the world that people will like you. People don't determine our walk with God, the Word of God and prayer. We walk with Him and His Holy Spirit leads us. That's what your walk of God with God includes. And so, uh, that's what these men did. So they rejected the thinking of the world and they just wanted to complete the job that God had given them to complete. Now they know it's in Bethlehem. So they start heading towards Bethlehem and then the star appears. So we read verse 9, And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east. Now that star has been all the way from the east that they followed. It went before them till it came and stood over, the, uh, over where the young child was. Now, you don't quit or lose your faith in the worst of circumstances. Again, keep eternity stayed in your heart so that you know that you can as Christ said on the cross, that when you appear before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ as a Christian, 
you can say, it is done. I completed the work you gave me to do. I'm afraid that there are Christians that are not even going to know the work God gave them to do because they didn't seek it. They expected a voice to thunder from heaven or a crowd of angels to be around them. God doesn't work that way anymore. And I'll say more about that in just a little bit. Uh, so, here they are. These men are going to appear for, before God one day, and this account will be brought up just once more again and probably give us even a greater understanding of what those guys uh, were, were facing. But what we want to hear, the, not only that we've completed the job, but we want to hear, well done. Those men did a good job. They completed it. And I'm sure they would hear a well done in heaven. Now, verse 10. Then they saw the star. They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And all that time coming from wherever they were in the east, they saw that star. From the beginning, they saw that star. And they were excited when that star came back up again. That's not because that star was, star was so beautiful. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Oh, this is such an unusual sighting in disguise. No. It was what God had showed them already. They know it, and they know it will lead them to the Messiah. That's the thing that's special about it. They know it's not because it's beautiful. That's the star that's going to lead them to the Messiah, which leads me to the third point as we move along here. Uh, Joseph used... God-given abilities and provisions, but also maintained a walk with God. Your abilities and provisions must also be maintained in your walk with God. God gives you abilities. Uh, Joseph was a carpenter. He used those in God's service. Verse 11 12, uh, we see the walk that he has with him to hear from him. You know, the Bible's clear for us today. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and, uh, and I know them and they follow me. Why? They know the voice of God in their heart. Now, what is God? God is a spirit. They that worship him, spirit, uh, uh, worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You get to know the voice of God, not by a group of angels getting around you and uh, doing all these things that they saw at the birth of Christ. No. Through His Word and His Holy Spirit and that personal relationship, He reveals things to you. And He shows you. And you know it's the voice of God. And that's the word that you take and you meditate upon that word. Verse 11 says, And when they were come into the house, they uh, saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Now they'd asked, where was Jesus born? They'd already, he'd already been born. As a matter of fact, the reason he inquired of, had inquired of why did this happen, when did this happen, that's why he killed all the children two years old and younger. Jesus is about two years old now. Herod would, as we'll see later, 
kill all these two-year-olds and Bethlehem and the coast up thereof, even the coast of Bethlehem. He wanted to make sure he got them, he thought. But they were in a house. They're no longer in that cave. They're no longer in the, in the stalls. No, they're not there any longer. What I think happened, I think Joseph, he's a carpenter. He starts working there. He has a job. Now he has his own house. He is led of God. He uses the abilities God has given him to continue there. And hey, this is great. He's near Jerusalem. He's near the temple. And they're able to keep on keeping on there for the Lord. In order to be there, he's there. And God had that purpose for him. Because two years later, he needed to be there when the wise men arrived. It was important that he's there for when they arrived. And so I believe the Lord led him to build that house. Or to have a house there and to have a job there. And so Joseph maintained a walk with God to know that this was God's will. He had to maintain a walk, acknowledging Him in all His ways. Now, so often at Christmas time, Mary, Mary's blessed. We don't know. Now, she's not God. Now, somebody say that she was immaculate conception. No, the Bible tells us who her father was. It wasn't talking about God in heaven. It's talking about an earthly man was her father. Just read the genealogies in Matthew and Luke and you'll find that out. So hers was not some immaculate thing like the virgin birth of Christ, but she would be the one chosen to bear the Christ child. And so that is special. She is blessed. She is blessed. But understand in his walk with God, Joseph is blessed, but we, we just don't read that much about it. doesn't mean he wasn't. To walk with God, he knew what to do. It was such that not only in his walk with God, he would know to take Mary as his wife. Now, there, there was a betrothal already. At first he thought, well, maybe I need to divorce her, is the idea there. When she was with child, he knew that that child is not his seed. But God spoke to Joseph. God spoke to Joseph, and he took her as his wife. Now, I, I don't think that happens today. That just doesn't happen today. But, he takes her as his wife, and you know what? That'd be trouble down the road. He was not born of fornication. People in the book of John said to Jesus, we not be born of fornication. They were referring to him because people said Jesus was born of fornication because his mother was with child before uh, her and, 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 and Joseph had ever come together. So evidently, and that was well stated because they wanted people, the Jews, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, wanted people to know that, to undermine the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so often, it is good to know that Mary is blessed, but so often we miss that Joseph was also blessed. And he's a man that walked with God. 
He's a carpenter who walks with God. He knows God's voice. Marry this lady. Okay, yes, it's, you don't have to go right, you wouldn't have to go right now when he did leave. Mary's in her ninth month, but they leave because he's led of God to leave at that time and go to Bethlehem to pay the taxes. He could have gone a little later, could have gone a little earlier, but it was the time God gave to go, and he goes. And so we continue verse 11, <clears throat> and when they had, <clears throat> excuse me, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now over the years, many have uh, tried to designate these gifts. It's not a bad designation. They said gold represented the kingship of Jesus Christ. Frankincense was used in the temple worship, and so it was worshiping him, showing the deity of Christ in the worship of him. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then there was myrrh, which was used as an embalming thing for people when they were buried. And so the embalming would show his death on the cross for our sin. It would show his humanity, God come in the flesh. And in verse 12, being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed to their own country another way. But you see, they moved at God's leading. But the next verse is very important to understand. Warned of God in a dream first teaches us and shows us, well, you know, the Holy Spirit had not yet been given the moment a person gets saved as the indwelling the Holy Spirit. So God did speak through angels. God did speak through dreams back in that day. But today we have the Holy Spirit. Why look for a dream or why look for an angel to appear when you're supposed to know God, you're supposed to know His Spirit indwells you if you're saved, and you have a, such a heart and walk with God, you can know when He talks to you. See, that's what God wants. Look, look, if you say, I, I just don't have that, then get closer to God as a Christian. Draw closer to Him because He wants you to have that. The Holy Spirit was given to us to have that. And so, he can speak to you. He can speak to your heart. That is why the Holy Spirit indwells us on the inner man. And that voice, as I said earlier, will always lead in the way of righteousness and true holiness. Having walked with God in the word and prayer, you hear that voice in your heart. You know, today there's a thing that goes all the way back to John Dewey. Actually, it goes beyond before John Dewey. It even goes back to, um, oh, really, back in communist teachings way back there, even before there was a communist government, when just the writings were being made. And it's called critical thinking. That's where you can go into a school and, uh, what kind of trouble did you get into this week with, at home? What did your parents do? What should have they done? See, they undermine you. They, that's critical thinking. See, the thinking that we teach is that we've got the Word of God, and the way you're critical thinking is that anything that goes against the Word of God is wrong. 
Anytime. You don't have to try to uh, look at something and say, what's wrong with it? If you've got the Word of God hidden in your heart, you'll know exactly then at that moment that that's wrong because it does not agree with the Word of God. Now that brings me to a fourth point, and I'm going to try to move this along quickly, and that is uh, uh, right here. You follow God's call in everything you do. The present endeavor, the present endeavor is to the work until he leads again, doing what he's given to do right now, you do it. Know his voice. He won't move until he speaks to your heart What for you to move. I mean, that's when it happens. Keep it in mind. Joseph did not go because it was his own idea to leave and, and go on. No, God warned him to get up and go. Your idea, rather, is God, you lead me, I will follow. Walk daily in his word, that it may be in your heart, you meditate on it, you think on it, that you'll know as God uses that to speak to you. Yes, there's Joseph, marriage, and then going to Egypt, and then back to Israel. That's not his idea. God led him to do that. In Bethlehem, to be living there two years later, God led him. He had to know the voice of God. God spoke to him. He's coming back, and he finds out that Archelaus, Herod Archelaus now is the son who has taken over for his father that killed all those babies. And being warned of, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, that doesn't mean, well, he went against what God wanted him to do. No. He did not go back to Jerusalem because God had spoke to him. So he goes, and he goes to Nazareth, which again fulfills the scripture that he would be called a Nazarene. Although he was born in Jerusalem. In each case, God led him. Now, in verses 13 through 23, real quickly. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into, uh, flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. See, he didn't do anything until God gave him the word. Yeah, he probably heard that Herod was dead, but he didn't move till God brought him the word. That's the way you live the Christian life. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Then he arose. That's how he reacted to God, immediately. Immediately. Then he arose. He took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. Joseph had such a relationship with God he knew the voice of God, and he immediately left for Egypt. That's faith. That's acting in faith. And when he was there, he stayed there until the death of Herod. All the way, he was led. But I want you to see one other thing that's missed in the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, those gifts to God. 
Now, I think that those types that were used of gold, of his kingship, and, 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 and you know, then the frankincense of his deity, and then also the myrrh of his death for us. Yeah, those are good symbols. They, they really are. They're not evil. They're not wrong. But really, I believe that that was provided because God already knows what's going to happen. He knows the end from the beginning. Matthew chapter, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 15, verse 18. He knows the end from the beginning. Those gifts were quite great gifts. I mean, these people, are, it's like they're rich now. They can make that trip. They can find a place to lodge. They can come back. Those gifts were to fund their way to go to Egypt and to come back. God had a purpose in it. And because there were men that were wise that listened to God and did exactly what he told them to do, it helped Joseph. It worked in the ministry of Jesus Christ. It worked all the way around. Now, did the wise men know all of that at the moment? No. The moment they got the uh, word of God and knew what God would want them to do, they, they took off in it. Joseph does the same thing. Joseph acted on God telling him, don't put her away, you marry her. Joseph. Take her to Bethlehem. Man, she's about to have a baby. Take her to Bethlehem. Joseph, stay in Bethlehem. Joseph, get up and go to Egypt. Joseph, come back. He had to listen to him all the way. And that ought to be the story of every one of our lives that claimed the name of Christ. Let him lead you all the way. See, that's the story of Christmas that's never told. But now let me say one other thing here in closing. You can't have that relationship with Christ unless he's first your Savior. So can you give a Bible reason that you know that if you died today that heaven's your home? Can you give that reason? Are you 100% sure that if you died today that heaven would be your home? You say, well, I'm doing the best I can. I, I, I come to church. I, I, I pay my taxes. I do this, do that. I've, I've done some good, nice things for some people. And that's not what it says. He says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That means you'd go to hell. Well, you must have realized that he was the Jesus Christ, came to this earth. He had always existed in eternity past. He came to this earth with a purpose. Not to be looked at as, oh, a precious baby in a, in a cradle. No. He came with a purpose. That purpose was to die for every sin you or I ever have or ever will commit. And he paid that penalty on the cross. He paid that penalty on the cross when he could have just said the word and come off that cross and killed everybody that was there and not have to go through all of that. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He did that for you. He did that for me. That whosoever believeth rely on, commit to Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I ask you again, have you had that time where you realize I'm a sinner? And you turned to Christ as your Lord and Savior. You gave Him your life that day. And you're trusting Him with your eternity. You say, I haven't done that. Then do it today. You can be saved today. You can know when you walk out of this auditorium that if you die today, that heaven's your home. But just like Joseph acting on what God said, 
You need to act on what God says. You need to come to him today. Let's bow our heads, please.